0: You're listening to Redefined the Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Mahalik, leadership coach, human design mentor, and status quo disruptor. This podcast is dedicated to stepping outside of the boxes the world tries to put us in and finding new ways to see and experience life and business. Each week, we'll push the boundaries of the way things have always been and explore new ideas around how to create our most soul-aligned and pleasure-infused lives. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to myself and my guests as we understand life through our own unique lived experiences. I'm always open to your thoughts and perspectives and welcome any feedback should you have any. Thanks for being here and let's dive in as we redefine life, business, and spirituality one conversation at a time. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Redefined, the podcast. Last week, I started a conversation with Dr. Andrea Leifer around accessibility in the coaching industry, as well as some of the work we have done together uh, with Andrea as my client in my programs and ultimately in my Embodied Mastermind. And it was so good. I just couldn't possibly cut it off because we hit on so many amazing points that I thought were imperative that you hear and that you bring into consideration in the way that you show up in the work, in the way that you create your spaces. And so... This is part two. Uh, We're going to go back and give you a couple minutes of where we left off so you can jump right on into the conversation. If you have not listened to last week's episode, you're definitely going to want to go back and start with that because there were so many important things said. But with that all being said, let's jump into the conversation again with Dr. Andrea Leifer- Doctor of physical therapy and lymphatic system specialist, as well as a accessibility consultant. This is so good, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. You know, we did these couple programs, and, you know, you got to see that there is a different way. There's a whole other magical world where we do none of the things and make all of the money. Just kidding. I mean, I joke around and I say things like that, but like <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that like I get shit done, right? You I'm work just, very hard and you move fast. Yeah. I am just, I move fast. I'm intentional. I'm efficient. And I am, I'm a good executor. And I think that that's what it takes. If you want to be able to scale a business and make a lot of money without having to do a lot of work, one of the the biggest skill sets that you need to cultivate is like executive function, which I fully understand for some people that is a huge struggle, right? but the ability to see something and just like make a decision and go with it and trust yourself that like, it's going to be the right decision. And if not, and you fucked it up, well, you'll deal with it when you fuck it up and then you'll clean it up and it'll all be fine and you can fix it. Right. That's like one of the biggest, um, you know, while trying to condense my time while expanding my income, one of the things that, you know, I had to adopt in order to do that in a way that felt good and that didn't feel procrastinating and that didn't feel like we were always down to the wire and rushing on things was adopting that mantra of like there's no emergencies in business right and being willing to just take ownership of like this is the thing that makes the most sense so that's what we're going to go with right now and like if that is not the thing and that's not how it actually all works out like it's going to be okay we can pivot we can adjust Knowing that like anything we do, no one email, no one social media post, no one landing page or sales page, no graphic, no launch, no client hiccup or, you know, in the interaction or the experience, like none of that is going to make or break my business unless I decide to let it, unless I decide to let a mistake that gets made or a dumpster fire that occurs to psych me out and make me quit right? But I have full control that like, if shit hits the fan and it gets fucked up, then like, okay, cool. What are we going to do about it now? How are we going to clean it up? How are we going to fix the situation? How are we going to restore harm if that's what needs to be done, right? And how are we going to move forward? And what's the new plan going to be? And so that is one of the things that really has allowed me to operate my business in the way that I do, is just somewhere along the way, I decided to stop wasting so much time second guessing everything and just decided to like make a decision and run with it. And if it gets fucked up, it gets fucked up. Then we'll, we'll come up with a new plan and we'll run with that. Right. And just really trust my instincts and, and not overcomplicate things and get clear on what are the things that actually make the difference and move the needle what are the things that need to be done that are absolutely necessary to bring business bring money in through your business so that you like have a thriving business and what are the extra things what are the things that can wait what are the things you know and then eventually hopefully getting to a place where like it can be what are the things i can delegate right because the reality is is that my business operates I work, you know, eight hours a week or whatnot because I have a team that's doing a lot of things for me and I get to delegate out and I have that privilege, right? A year ago, I didn't, but that was something that I built intentionally, right? Um, And for me, that is not only a privilege that I recognize, even in my personal life, like having a cleaner or any of those kinds of things, but I also see that as a way that I get to continue to feel expansive in my finances and in my, my wealth, if you would, because every time I bring someone onto my team or I bring someone into my home or my life or my business so that I can offload shit, so I can continue to be lazy. That's another woman I'm giving a job to. That's another woman who I'm helping to support, who I am, allowing to do what they want to do. And like, right. And setting them free from corporations and things. Right. And so for me, it's just like feeding back into the economy of goodness. (laughs) Um, So like, I get excited to hire new people and to let people take things off of my plate for me, because that's one more person that doesn't have to get up and go to a shitty job that they hate. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's been great. Like watching you and learning from you with like a very different lens of like laziness and pleasure being like a choice versus Mm. like a sort of necessity or for like energy management. Um, And I remember, and it wasn't that long ago, like something that you had brought up in one of the mastermind calls, like an embodied on this like 1545 kind of like time Yes. um, ratio and that really like, and I'll let you expand on it, but like really validated kind of what I needed at the moment, continue to need and, and utilize and should you need to utilize more, want to utilize more, um, in terms of how I get things done because I have no problem accomplishing whatever it is over a 12 hour span of a day versus within two hours. If, I knew energetically, I wasn't going to do anything else the rest of the day anyway. So spacing it out and I'll, I'll kind of like let you talk on it more, but spacing out how I did the work and allowing for kind of what my brain and my body needed over a longer period of time. Like, yeah. And this that's the really point cool. of
0: that. That's the point of that. And was the point of that conversation, not that this is like the formula of how to get yeah. things done or anything, but about asking yourself and being real with yourself about like, what motivates you? What energy do you have? Like, what is it going to take to get the things done? Because there's a lot of days where like, I look at my calendar, I'm like, Oh my God, I have all this like backend stuff to do. I have to, you know, send out and, or respond to these emails and I have to, you know, do approvals of this thing. And like, it's just like these little menial tasks and I have to fold the laundry and like, right. Like it's like the little shit that needs to get done, but that like, you don't necessarily really want to do. And I used to think like, okay, so I'm going to like get up and I'm going to do my things. I'm going to drink my coffee and then we're going to get into it. (laughs) And I'm going to do all the things back to back to back to back. And it's only going to take me like three hours. And then I'm going to have the whole rest of the day to relax. Right. So if I start at like 10, I'll be done by one. And then I can like fuck around, and like watch a movie or take a nap or whatever. Right. But like, I could just never get myself to like do all the things right. back to back to back for three hours because like it was just exhausting and I was tired and I'm distractible and my phone and
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Like, and Facebook and Instagram and Bumble and Hinge and text messages and phone calls and boxers. And, oh, I just had this idea. Right. Yeah. Oh, that would be a all great program. Things. Right. Right. My, just my, my squirrely Manny Gen brain is just all over the place. And so somewhere along the line, I decided to like bribe myself and say like, okay, so there is, you know, eight things to do on the list and we could do them all back to back to back and get it done in like two and a half hours. And then we could have the rest of the day, or we can work for 15 minutes and just do this one thing we can do this one thing in 15 minutes or less if we really focus, right? If we don't check our phones, if we don't decide to read a text message or we don't have the TV going on in the background or any of these things. And if I just work for 15 minutes, then I can take the rest of the hour off and I'll have 45 minutes to fuck around. And so I'll like focus really hard and just like bang out like one thing, like I'll send like three emails or whatever, however many emails I can get done in a 15 minute time period, at like the top of the hour. And then I have the rest of the hour, that remaining 45 minutes to do whatever I want to screw around on my phone, to like, you know, go get a snack, to watch a show, to do whatever I want. And then at the top of the hour again, it's like, okay, 15 minute timer, let's get as much laundry folded and put away as we can. And it might take me the whole day, to get all of the things done, but it's like, but I was kind of basically fucking off all day because I was only working in fits <laughs> And so it doesn't feel like I was like, had to like work really hard and do all of the things and get all of the things done because I was doing it in shorter periods of time. And so, you know, it's just an example of what would it look like? And this is, you know, I talk about this in, my business in how you create your offers and how you structure your business, right? Is like, what's going to be the thing that's going to energetically feel good for you that you know, okay, that is going to be a way that I can show up and get these things done and that I can live this life and do this work, but it can actually feel good, right? Like by like pleasure padding everything, right? And sometimes I like bribe myself that like when I get it done, I get to have Some sort of like pleasure or treat or something, right? Which might be, you know, a popsicle or it might be an orgasm or it might be going outside and laying out in the sun during the summer, right? Like, if when I get this thing done, I'm just going to send these emails. And as soon as these emails are sent, I can go lay out and back and I can slather myself in banana boat oil. And like, I get 30 minutes to lay in the sun. We're going to do 15 minutes each side and then we're going to come back in and we're gonna do a little bit more work, right? But by incorporating these things into it all in ways that actually feel realistic. Because you know when when you try and force yourself to do something in a way that just doesn't work for you, it only sets you up to then feel shame and disappointment that you couldn't get it done. What's wrong with me that I couldn't just get this shit done and knock it out, right? Because we tell ourselves it's going to take us two to three hours if we just knock it out. But then it ends up taking us eight hours anyways, because we get distracted, we get off task, right? And then we feel bad that it took us eight hours, as opposed to just owning that it's going to take us fucking eight hours, because we're going to take breaks all the time. And so again, it's (laughs) back to that idea of like, how can we just enter into radical self-approval and acceptance of who we are, how we function, what we desire, how we desire to live, how we desire to work, and then build and create our businesses and our lives and our schedules and how we get things done around that instead of trying to make ourselves be people that we're not.
1: Right. And I think for me, I had seen examples of like how to how to self-start, how to motivate yourself, how to whatever, you know, time block. Or if you just start for 15 minutes, you'll get so involved in the task, you won't notice that like, you just have to start in these things. But there weren't a lot of examples of like what you've shared or like how to like not beat yourself up if you like didn't do the thing or if it took you 30 minutes to get ready to try your 15 minutes to get grossly involved in this task or distracted by it or what have you. And also that like the time block or like go, go, go of like two to three hour chunks of time kind of was like all the active energy I had for the day that meant like, well, I guess I'm not going out for a walk today since I just like scrambled around for three hours doing something else. And and I think when we see these traditional like how to manage your time things spoken to, they're very ableist and they don't allow for a diverse group of people to find kind of what fits for them, but we're not presented with other options. And so kind of finding the the pleasure way or the lazy way, whether or not that was ever an intention is that it's a more accessible way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And like a guilt-free and a shame-free way, it's ended up being like what I needed most Mm -hmm. to kind of like rewrite the internal programming, basically, or the, you know, get rid of the corrupted data of what I've been told over time, even within my own profession, that we have ways where we have this ableism that's sort of built in, because we're not, other than within our patient body, potentially within our colleagues or our professors, not around a diverse group of humans, in terms of their needs or, or their um, you know, just the way they exist in the world. And so kind of there's things I learned that, gosh, when I was like a student or first practicing, I'm like, wow, this never would have occurred to me. And I would have chosen a different strategy for someone who, for example, is like an ambulatory wheelchair user means they don't need it all the time, but they need it to be able to participate in society. And maybe I would have thought about it differently when I was more, I don't know, naive or just less well-versed, less experienced, um, less thoughtful of kind of like, well, do you need the wheelchair? Like, or I've, I've still see these conversations come up within my profession or hearing that individuals are kind of spoken to that way by physicians. I'm not writing this for you. You don't need a wheelchair prescription. Mm -hmm. But when I had to ask my own family, like when I was considering going to a zoo outing with them, If I'm having a hard time that day, I might need a wheelchair. Like having to make that ask was a very interesting, like experience for me. And it it still like brings up stuff now because of sort of the response and also the thought processes, like I needed to have in order to make that ask. Yeah. And I know we talked about that in terms of like, well, how can I participate in an activity like I want to do and want to be around my family with, but also that could kind of ruin the next day or the rest of the day and the days following for me, energy and symptom wise of when you've gone, what, 35 years without having a need like that. It's, it's not an easy ask. And it, it kind of comes back to the things that we've been talking about and sort of hit home for me things that I just never even considered in my clinical practice and that I see in kind of a whole new light as well um and so I I guess in my own way I've become even more compassionate over time which also you know, means I can really, literally, only ever work for myself again. I I won't fit into any system. There's no way to to bring what I want to bring to to my work by not doing it for myself. And so, kind of figuring out like what do I need to get and stay out of my own way to keep doing that is yeah, kind of what brings me back to your spaces.
0: Yeah, and I think that whether it's a physical need or uh, neurodiversity need or maybe just a preference or right that at the end of the day something that I feel like we're really lacking and so it's why I teach it and preach it and harp on it so hard all the time is that there is such a lack of self-acceptance and approval and that even if it's something that is out of your control even if it's a a neurodiversity issue that keeps you from being able to just focus and get the thing done. Right. Or whatever the thing, or a physical issue that, you know, maybe you can't sit for long periods of time and you need to be able to get up and move, or maybe getting up and moving is not a thing that you can do for very long. So you need to be, you know, sitting or horizontal or whatnot for longer periods of time. Right. I think just as a society we need to do better at learning to be accepting and approving of ourselves and of others and like whatever way it needs to get done, like let it get done, whether that's right. you creating some sort of weird alternative schedule for yourself that allows you to, you know, maybe work and do something and then have a period, have periods of rest or, sit down and do something, but then have periods where you got to get up and take a couple laps and move around and get your blood flowing, right? A way that you can do it so that getting the things done that need to get done, don't, you know, flare up symptoms or trash your energy for the next day. Um, or even just fucking make it feel better, right? right? Make it a more enjoyable experience because I know so much of this conversation has, you know, surrounded, People's needs. But I think that we forget too that, like, it's okay to desire something or to want to do something a certain way just because it feels fucking better. Right. Because we don't like doing it the other way that everybody said we were supposed to be doing it. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. Of just wanting your work and your life and your schedule and the things on your to-do list to just feel good. Like it feels good to feel good. We want our lives and our work and everything that we do to feel good, whether that's because we have a need that needs to be met or whether that's just that we have a preference or a desire, like it's all okay. And we shouldn't feel bad for that. And that's so much of the work that we've done and embodied you and I and me and all of the other, women who are in there, which is my, my mastermind, um, over our last six months together is finding our own way and finding the ways that make it feel good for us, which has looked different for all of you. Right. Um, and I love, I love this group particularly because you know, there's, there's a, there's coaches, there's non-coaches, right. You're in the medical field. There's people, you know, we're all, all over the board offering quantitative results, offering qualitative results, right. Everything from like business strategy and making money to, you know, lymphatic system support to (laughs) PR to just spiritual healing, right? And energy work. So many, so many different women from different backgrounds, all leaning into how to shift and create their lives in ways that feel meaningful and enjoyable and pleasurable to them, And you have been so fun to watch. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because you're literally, I mean, you're literally magic. I tell you this probably at least once every other day that you are just made of magic. It's been a
1: a, a fun experiment in um, kind of betting on myself that like, I'll figure it out. And also that I don't need to know what exactly it looks like. And that. I'm so excited to
0: like hear that. Right. That, that like I fully embrace. It's fine. We don't have to three know.
1: line and all of that. Right. Yeah. That I am not going to win the award for like most dollars brought home in the six months time in my business. Um, If we looked at it literally, however, I'm still here and I'm still supported myself like throughout that time when my brain and my body needed to be doing other things and kind of getting ready to feel better and, and do more of what I love and as much or as little as I want, which is kind of where I'm now. And like itchy to do more of sort of what I used to do, which is in-person care, but in a, a very different way than the last time I was doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what I think has been so beautiful to watch is that like, as you're getting to this place where like, you're starting to get that itch to, to start doing more. Right. You've been able to get to this place because somehow for the last, you know, six or so months, you've really, you know, and really even, you know, going back even further to where it probably really started when we first started working together, but you've really learned to just honor where you're at yeah, and to not freak out and panic and to not, doubt that like it will be okay even when you haven't been able to see the way and it even when it's literally made zero sense how all of the money has shown up and like come to you and it's been so wild to watch you manifest and create and call in everything that you need like and more and sometimes ha- having huge, you know, financial months and things like that. And just always having your needs fully met, even when it made no sense that all your needs got fully met, but because you were able to really relax into that and like learn, not that we didn't wobble, not that we didn't, you oh, know, no, there
1: was plenty of like <laughs> panicked out and
0: other, other moments right. along the
1: way, they still exist and they fully embrace them because- I played the game and tried being the person that like didn't have those and we just ignored it and it wasn't right. A reality and it was all like love and light and sparkles right. and and that kind of magic which sort of like felt like an erasure of who I was as a New Yorker mm-hmm. as they will yeah. always be that I am always that person like yelling at cars as a pedestrian even in California where this is not normal behavior. Um, but To be able to embrace like all the sides of it and learn how to not make myself like wrong for it, learn to be move beyond shame to neutral to compassion, Hmm. and also know that like I may still go anywhere along that, right? From any given moment of the day has been like far more freeing and releasing than. The sort of ignoring or pushing down, which was more keeping me like frozen.
0: I mean, you're talking to like a a former addict who spent right. my entire <laughs> life avoiding and pushing down, um, and and bypassing, and the, you know all of these things, and that's why you know um, you know as part of embodied. I chose to incorporate monthly workshops, um, which if you're listening and you are like, well, what the hell's a workshop? What do you do during a workshop? Um, It's always, you know, they're always different because it's based out of what's happening in the group and what the dynamics are and how everybody's feeling and what I think that people need. But there are places where we actually, you know, not only live and together as a group so that we can witness and be with one another in the community, but also it's an opportunity to teach the tools to move through our emotions and to honor the full spectrum of our humanity and the places where we're angry and the places where our anger is really just a cover-up for our grief and our sadness and our disappointment, And sometimes we scream and we wail and we bang things. And sometimes we cry our eyes out and we fall apart and, you know, and we, and we always come back to pleasure because like, also you get to be fully human and you get to feel all of these really big feelings that can feel really scary sometime, but it's like, you're doing it in a controlled environment and you know that like, I'm always going to lead you out of it. I'm always going to bring you home. We're always going to pull you back to at least a neutrality, preferably getting you back into pleasure. But like, you're never going to be abandoned or like lost in your grief or in your anger. So like, it's safe to go there because like, you know, you're not just going to like lose it and like never be able to call yourself back because you're in a space where you're being facilitated. And, you know, That work, that like somatic embodiment work was life-changing for me, particularly in my sobriety journey when I learned like, oh, wow, like I don't just have to sit here and like feel all this and not try not to feel it. Like if I actually have a process and a system that I can walk myself through that allows me to really feel it all fully, I can actually clear it a whole lot faster right? As opposed to trying to avoid it or not feel it or ignore it, which is just letting it linger in faster, And that's why we see such huge shifts and such, rap- such rapid results sometimes, right? Is because we have these tools that we use that allow us to kind of like ritualize and give us structure to moving through things in a way that you know, that really activates us in, in healthy and good ways and is really healing.
1: Yeah, I've loved using like the workshops I've done with you in a variety of different formats like as a benchmark almost for myself or rather I've looked back at them as this mm. um, and noticing and being appreciative of the language you've used or the way you've set the tone for them for individuals like myself where like getting up and dancing wildly is not always an option um or isn't always like the thing that feels good um for my energy or just symptom related things and that like the first times like I would literally like if you had music playing just be like moving my head like that was it I was just sitting like moving my head and like envisioning myself dancing like on the inside and like projecting that out but like by no means was I in a place to be vertical and you know without having kind of a host or a rush of symptoms come on and so kind of seeing my own progress and what I could tolerate in some of those but also knowing that like I could just as easily sit on the entire session like or be on the entire session in my bed and like that was fully accepted and not wrong, or be in the shower on a call. And, and these are like very new concepts from kind of what's a very rigid, professional setting that they've come from, Um, to be able to be in a space where like, that's encouraged, Mm -hmm. was included in a workshop at one point, Um, you know, just where where that's an option, and also kind of At one point, I think one of the terms used was like, not only come back to your body or come to your body, it was like, come back to yourself, um, because there can be, at least for myself and I've had this conversation with some other people, but when you have kind of chronic pain or, or just any chronic thing with your body, embodiment is kind of a weird thing and doesn't make sense. And it's like, what is my body? I try to escape it often. Like that is my coping mechanism is to dissociate so I can get stuff done. Um, so when you're telling me to be in it, like, nah, like that's not safe. Like I'm not going to do that. Like, how do I do that? And that sort of thing. And so having different language that you've used has been like helpful, welcoming, And for me to kind of figure out like, what does that mean to me? And it's like, come back to my identity, which is like my inner self, which like lives within this body, but my physical vessel or or self isn't always as reliable in terms of what I want it to do at any given time. And that's kind of like a weird concept in spaces that talk about embodiment that don't understand wanting to be outside your body because of how it feels being in it from a physical sense, not necessarily dissociating because of other traumas.
0: Right. And for whatever reasons, right. Embodiment can be a sticky thing because for whatever reason, if your body doesn't feel safe, right. Right. Then these can feel, these can not only feel uncomfortable or weird or exclusionary, but they can actually be re-traumatizing to have someone trying to lead you right into a body that doesn't feel safe or directing you to, um, to do things that don't necessarily feel safe for you. And while it's a lovely idea to say like, well, it's just directions. And like, you, you have full choice to, to do what you want. And like, you don't have to do what the facilitators say. And like, (laughs) that's a really great, very idealistic, that would be a beautiful world if we all felt empowered enough to not do something that a facilitator told us to do in a setting, particularly when we had paid to be in and that we trusted a person to lead us and guide us safely. Like, like that would be great, but that's just not the case. And a lot of people will try to do things not even, because you may not even realize that it's going to re-traumatize or harm you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody says something, you know, and I'm always trying to find the places where I can get better at this with, you know, um, you know, suggesting that, you know, if you, if it feels good and is available to you, like close your eyes, if not soften your gaze or find like a drishti point where you can like focus on one thing and just look at that one thing, right? Um, And like give a variety of different ways that someone can participate in in that thing, right? Like close your eyes if it feels good. Like the really, what we're looking for there is to minimize distractions. So what ways can we minimize distractions? We could close our eyes, we could soften our gaze, we could pick one thing to look at so we're not bouncing around, right? These are multiple different options. Even just, you know, and in breathing exercises and meditations and like, even just including simple words like, you know, you know, like, let's take a deep breath in in to, you know, whatever capacity feels good to your own body's capacity of whatever fullness feels comfortable for you. And even including just like to your own capacity in there can be so permission giving to someone who feels like they have to take this really big deep breath. But what if that doesn't feel good for them? What if they're struggling with their breathing at that moment or whatever? Um, you know, like there's so many just little ways that we, you know, can tweak. And I always like to suggest, and I'll say like, you might see me, I'm going to get up and dance today or whatnot, like a crazy person. Like, it doesn't feel good for you. You can lay down, you can sit up if you want to take your phone with you and get on the Zoom call and like get in the bathtub. If you want to close your eyes or, or imagine yourself dancing, if you just want to vibe out, if you want to journal through what you're feeling and what's coming up for you, like there's so many ways that we can get to the same end point and that we can have the same experience, even if we're doing different things. But I think that if we're not openly speaking and sharing about, by giving multiple suggestions, if we're always only giving one directive, there's a lot of really people-pleasing yep. Who who <laughs> do not feel comfortable? Like it took me years of going to yoga classes before I realized that like I didn't have to do every move the way the instructor told me to, and like it's a practice, it's my personal practice, and like if I don't want to do that, I don't have to. Because I like I thought it was like an exer. I mean, it, but even so, like even in an exercise class in the gym, like do we feel permission that if they're like, okay, we're gonna do squats, and like you don't want to do squats? Right. Like, do you have permission to not do that? Or like, are you going to feel bad? Right. Or is this going to be
1: the time in class that I get called out for like doing my own thing? Because I'm always, I've been that person. I am that person like at meetings when I used to be employed and like, was kind of like, just like uh, distracted or, or just making interesting facial expressions because I was either reflecting on what was being said or just doing my own thing. we're like squirming around because like sitting on a stool for 30 minutes was really uncomfortable, but was kind of what needed to be done. And, but I would get drawn attention to myself, like Andrea, like I see you're making eyebrows at me or just like, like, so these things were like, I need to do something different than the suggested option is, but if there's no permission for the variable or, 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 or a different way, then how do you know? Right. Like you're not in a place to think that something else is an option or we're so conditioned that like, okay, I came to this class. So like, you're teaching me to do things. so I'm going to follow your recipe because like you're the teacher, like this is what we've been trained to do in, in a traditional setting. And right. Unless you have a yoga teacher who says these are the modifications yeah, or like until this, you feel this sort of feeling in your body or if nothing else go into child pose, like, unless that is yeah. given to you, it often feels like yoga as competition, even though that's antithetical to what yoga ah. is. Right. And so, but in the way that at least in America, the classes are taught, it often is lost in terms of the original intent of the spiritualness of it. And it becomes an exercise class. And, um, As a physical therapist, I'm often, I had been distracted in yoga classes, watching how people were like trying to contort themselves to meet the teacher's need because options weren't given. I knew modifications just from my own study of yoga from when I was younger, but like others didn't, or I needed to do modifications that weren't the exact movement the teacher was doing. And so then people would look at me and try to like be confused there versus focusing on themselves or their own modifications. And so it's, it's, it's so important for the teacher or the facilitator to be aware that that's even a thing their students may go through. Yeah. And then kind of like what to do with that Um, because otherwise then there's this unnecessary pressure that students place on themselves or. Yeah. And
0: not everyone can figure out in every situation what is going to be the best modification for them. And not everyone, even if they know what they would rather be doing instead of what you said to do actually like has the courage to break away and do that and feel like they have permission and safety to do that. You know, even I, I work out at home. I just do like at home workouts on my computer. And one of the workouts I was doing a couple of weeks ago there, we were doing like plank jacks or something. And the modification that they gave was still a plank position, but it was like stepping out instead of jumping out. But I was having a problem with my wrist that day. Mm. Right. And I was like, I can't even do this. And then I was like, okay, well, it's a plank jack. Well, I mean, like, I guess the closest thing I could do would maybe be a jumping jack. So I did jumping jacks instead of being down on the ground. Cause I just couldn't put the weight on my wrist. But like, if that had been a live class, I'm not sure I would have probably sucked it up and done it. Right. Or I would have maybe tried to go down onto my, you know, my forearms or something, which would have still been putting pressure on me. And I could have potentially risked hurting myself, Um, you know, but I did give myself permission in my own home. But so that's things, even when we're doing embodiment work and somatics within coaching, it's important that, or even meditations or breath work or any of these things, right? It's just so common to be like, okay, let's meditate. Um, and then like everybody <laughs> close their eyes and let's take a really big, deep breath. And we're going to hold it and hold it and hold it. Right. And right, all and, like, my this anxiety all got, right? shows right, up. And this, yeah. right? and this is like what we want to do as opposed <laughs> to just using gentler language, right? Like, hey, like let's meditate. You know, like if it's available to you and it feels good and you can safely do so, close your eyes because some people are like driving and shit when they're listening to us. Um, so like <laughs> if you can safely do so and it feels good, close your eyes or soften your gaze or focus on something or just like let's set the intention that no matter what you're doing or whether you're multitasking or driving or your eyes are closed or you're standing up or you're sitting down or you're on a run or no matter what you're doing, you're, you're playing with your kids or whatever, like, let's set the intention that you're going to get everything out of this that you're supposed to. And it's all exactly perfect, which like, that's one of my favorite things to say, like at the beginning of a meditation is like, let's, let's just set the intention that no matter how you're showing up to this or what you're doing or not doing while we're doing this, like you're getting exactly what you need, because I feel like that's the most permission giving thing that we can say is like, let's just trust that we're getting it all. Even if we're not closing our eyes or we're not sitting, you know, perfectly with our mudras on our crossed knees, you know, um, even if it doesn't look like a traditional meditation, that doesn't mean that it's all lost and that we're, there's no, there's no good that will come from it. Um, so yeah, embodied has been super fun. I think that those workshops have been have been really helpful in helping everyone to just shift and make quick turns. Um I would love to know your biggest takeaway or your favorite thing about the mastermind.
1: Hmm.
0: I know I really just put you on the spot there. I did not no, tell you. No, it's all right.
1: That. That's okay.
0: Um Or maybe, maybe your, but your favorite win, like it could be anything. Just like, what have you loved about the space?
1: I think two things come to mind. Um, The first is kind of like the exploration of the more like mystical side of money and that sort of thing of not just like your business making money, but like how you as a human create money and like call for it. And it comes to you sort of this boomerang thing, which you become Um, an expert at. Thank you.
0: But star student, no offense to anybody else in the mastermind, but you really (laughs) are like maybe the most magical human I've ever seen in like pulling money out of nowhere.
1: I think that to me was like the, the thing that I needed to settle, like, my nervousness or nervous system enough to do all the other things that I needed to do to get to the place where I can, like, even talk this fast and not be short of breath. And, like, take all the steps that I needed to take and be across country from, you know, where I thought I would be uh, when kind of all of this started um, that I could just kind of let that be enough. Yeah. And reframe it and realize that it like really met or was in line with my values of what I do for work. And, and sort of that, like, I love that my patients pay very little and that the funding comes from other places. Um, Uh, like for example, like working with nonprofits or this kind of itch that I, or curiosity that I have of bringing in some sort of work with insurance contracts or out of network billing or what have you, where like the patients pay as little as possible. And the other funding comes from some other place. Um, and I think like learning of like to take better ownership of my current self with all of that versus giving a lot of credit beyond like what was due to my past self. Like I, I think I coming into a lot with like, well, I just set myself up really well so that I could do this. I set myself up really well. Like last year, me like took care of all these things. So now I'm benefiting versus like honoring the decisions I made to like realize certain things or take action on certain things that nothing to do with who I was a year ago it's it came down to kind of who I am right now and so Mm. flipping those switches and then being in the community aspect of it I didn't quite realize like how important that was until it was around the humans that you've called in um which all kind of like fit together very well and um, always had, for the most part, problems I could relate to, or that the coaching you gave to their problems was useful to me as well, even though it wasn't my problem yeah. necessarily. Um, and so that I was always getting something out of it. And you say this often to like selfishly listen. And I love that about the group space where I'm not like weirded out in the comments section of like a zoom call or the chat box where people are like coaching each other from the sidelines, like that. You truly say like, you're the one getting paid for this. So like, we just get to like be here. And I love that because I don't always see that in other spaces I've been in where like everyone else is also a coach or trying to be a coach or just be a good person and offer advice that's unsolicited. Yeah. And it's, it's really, adds a different flavor to things and so kind of just being able to be very selfish listen to what you obviously coach me on but also coach other people in the hot seat kind of part of it and also know like I could just be doing other things I've started to kind of multitask a little bit more to say like and and know that I'll take kind of whatever I need to if there's other things I need to get done or That I've like paid bills long calls or deposited checks because like these are things that like for whatever reason I like to drag my heels on so I might as well do them while I'm like with people or in community versus like living alone and not humaning that often.
0: I love that. And like, what a great way. That's like why I love like getting on the phone with friends is because like, I will clean my house. I'll fold my laundry. I'll do the things. Cause it's like a little bit easier. It feels like to do some of that, like little busy work, like when you are yeah. in community and when you are with other people. Um, and I love that, what you said there, because, you know, that is something that I always say is like, cause I'm so aware that there's so many coaches and just women who are well-meaning, you know, in the spaces. And it's like our instinct typically to want to offer advice and coach and help and fix and all of the things. Cause it's what we do as coaches and as women um, and as mothers and just as humans, we naturally want to fix. Um, And so I do like to really remind everyone, not that I will never ever tell anybody not to give feedback or if you have a great idea or something like that. But like, remember, this is the place where like you get to turn that off. This is the place where like you get to come and be held where you are not responsible for helping somebody else fix their problems or trying to find a solution or solve for anything. You know, you're just here, you're here to be held. And, and I love the way all of you have really given yourself that permission. And there really is a very marginal amount of like, sideline coaching happening. Cause you all really just do come and receive. And I love that, that you guys just come and be in the sisterhood and yeah, with the selfish listening, like it always feels like, you know, first of all, I think I just have like the greatest humans in my space on the face of the earth. Like every new container I create, I'm just like blown away By the people that come in and just like how amazing and beautiful all of y'all are but you know when even though there's so much diversity in your lives where you live your backgrounds your work even right like i said we've got people in coaching outside of coaching all of these things like our problems are all so much more similar than we think they are at the end of the day. And there's usually always something that we can glean from listening to somebody else. And that's one of the benefits of being in community. And I know even in my experience in masterminds is like, I'll hear somebody bring up the, a problem and you may be like, Oh yeah, me too. I would, I would have never thought to ask that question or that is something that I've been going through or have gone through in the past, but it's not something that's like feeling very pressing right now. So it's not the question that I brought to the call because it's not heavily weighing on me, but it's still a conversation I can benefit from listening in on. Right. And And I just feel like there's so much richness in the variety of conversations that come when we allow people to ask questions that maybe we would never think to ask um, from what's weighing on them and getting to witness people move through things and make their own shifts, um, you know, and bring their own wins and evidence that we get to bank of what's working for other people and what they're doing and it really is just such a beautiful beautiful group I'm obsessed with all y'all and I can't wait to do it again yay yay I can't wait to do it again because we start our new round on August 1st of this year and we're doing it again and we have some spots available where you can come and hang and be in the sisterhood. So you can definitely check out the show notes for more information on that. If you want to learn about the mastermind embodied or working with me in any other way, because there's a variety of different ways at a variety of different budget points um, for your financial accessibility. To be very on brand with the conversation we had today, but definitely whether you're making zero dollars in your business and you can barely afford to work with anybody and to make any investment or whether you're looking to, you know, to really go all in and, and like fuck shit up in your life, and your business and step into the next level of your work, your life, your expansion. Um, There's a place for everyone. And the Mastermind is a great place for, well, 10 of you. So if you think you might be one of those 10, head to the show notes, find me on socials. Let's have a conversation. Dr. Andrea. Yes. I just like to call you that for fun because it it just sounds so fun. It's appropriate. Um, Thank you so much for being here and having all of these amazing conversations and just sharing your journey and your beautiful heart. I'm so proud of you, but more importantly, you should be proud of yourself.
1: Thank you. Yes, I am.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of redefine the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, head over to iTunes and leave a review. And now that you've heard what I have to say, I want to hear your thoughts. Let's continue the conversation over on Instagram or in my free Facebook group, Redefine the Community, where you'll find dozens of hours of free trainings and daily tips on human design, embodied leadership, and pleasure-based business and living. I've dropped the links in the show notes, so head there for all the ways we can continue to connect. See you next episode.